Welcome back to another episode of Calcio Unplugged. Uh, another crazy week in Italian football, um, and we're just going to get right into it. Um, I'm going to start off with, actually, technically, there's two matches with incredible drama, um, but I'm going to go to yours first. Um, As always. Yeah. <laughs> Only because I think there are, there's more layers to the, the other one. Um, but obviously, Inter go against Lazio, um, and you can do me a favor and can beat them. Um, great game, a lot of drama, a lot of controversy. Um, we'll, we'll start just, just off the top. What were your thoughts on, on the performance, the match overall, and then we'll get into the controversy. What a total shit show. <laughs> I mean... Inter had many opportunities to capitalize once Lazio really kind of went out in front. But they, Hazel is somehow, there's always those times, lately I've noticed this with them, that they've decided to revert back into the old habits where sometimes they have had a harder time finishing those chances where under Antonio Conte, there was not really a lot of issues. Obviously, we had Lukaku, but it still doesn't excuse the fact that you have plenty of decent goal scorers on the team, such as Martinez, such as Eden Dzeko. Um, Obviously, you see some midfielders, such as mostly a lot of the times you see Barella getting into the scoring conversation. So there is capable scorers on this team who could pick have pick up the slack. And there was just none of that in this. Obviously, there was a couple defensive issues that went on. It's another one of those matches where they're not playing as tightly knit as they're supposed to. And we're seeing a lot more mistakes from this inter team versus the past two seasons. And Obviously, sorry, I'm just going to do it from the bottom of my heart. I am sorry Inter failed you. I am absolutely sorry. Um, But, yeah, it's just one of those scenarios where Lazio were able to get the better of us. And I don't know. For me, a little bit of the controversy stems that this in Simeone and Zaghi, it was going back to his the club that he originally came from. And I feel like there could have been just like that point where I'm like, oh, I don't care. This is my former club. I don't care what the result is. And it, I don't know. It just, I don't like, okay, I'm just going to come out with this and just say, and ruffle a little bit of feathers. I don't know if I'm the only one, but I don't like managers going to different the same another team within the same league because I feel like there's some sort of allegiance to the former club that you came from and it just causes issues at the club they're currently with like I don't know if am I the only one who feels like that I, I don't agree with that I mean I I have an issue with uh, rival teams uh, go uh, manager going from inter and then coaching uh, Milan or a manager going from um, Rome to Lazio or a, like even, even player, former Roma player coaching Inter or coaching Lazio 
or those things. I don't have an issue with, with the, the shakeup because the fact of the matter is the entire league is filled with coaches who, who have been in the league before. I mean, as far as top teams, maybe a little bit, but I, I just feel like there's no the, – yeah, once you have that job, once you have the budget, once you have what you have in front of you, you're not going to, you know, uh, lessen yourself just because you're, you're facing a former club. I think the whole thing with Nzaga was just the emotion of Lazio really wanting to take him down. And I think that's, that's – I mean, controversy or not, you know – I don't have an issue with that, but that's just me. Yeah, but I mean, just overall, this was just not a Inter's match. And obviously, we'll talk about the match that happened early this, well, today, later on in the week when we do our Champions League show. So, mm -hmm. but other than that, just this match was not good for Inter in general. Uh, okay, now let's get into the controversy and then I'll give my thoughts. Um on the, the second goal, um, what what was your thoughts on on the way that happened? Do you have an issue with it? Are you on the side of they have every right to do what they did, or do you think they should have uh, not done that? Uh, because, to be honest, I can only see it one way, but I kind of understand both sides of the argument. But what were I mean? You being an Inter fan, what what were your thoughts on that? And do you think where where do you stand on that sort of uh, you know whatever? For me, I just think it was one of those scenarios where you kind of had to let it be because they were they had every right to do it in that manner. And, I mean, yes, there was a lot of – you could – obviously, I could just, re, just say it. There's arguments for it should, should have been held, held – well, what is the word I'm looking for? Held back. Held back. Um, versus then, okay, there's another argument for it. It was held in the right way and was held, done in the in a decent manner. So you can look at it from either side, but I think it was just one of those scenarios where it was they they had every right to do it. So yeah, I, I agree because the thing is, uh, Inter had the ball before that happened, and they didn't kick the ball out either. So if you're not going to kick the ball out, then you have to let it play it as it happens. If it happens in the middle of the field or something, and, and just it happens what what happened happened, and you and you um, don't kick it out or something, or don't have an opportunity to kick it out, and the other team has the ball, then it's then I think okay, you got a point. But the fact that Inter decided not to kick it out made the rest of the situation okay. Um, obviously, lots of go in that thing, and they get mad. They you know. They start fighting just because he scored the goal, even though Inter had the opportunity to clear, to kick it out of bounds before that. Um, and then obviously at the end, um, you know, whatever. The red card thing I thought, I thought was stupid. Um, the, the, this was a highly emotional game. A former coach going against his former team, a former player going against his former team, and so on and so forth. So, you know, you know I've... <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to put it. I understand why people reacted the way they did because it was basically like taunting, but I, I don't personally, I don't think the red card should have stood, uh, should have been given either. What were your thoughts on that one? Yeah. I don't think a red card should have been given. Uh, the red card shouldn't have been given because the, I mean, yes, there was a little bit of taunting, but it was nothing excessive. So 
it should have just been left alone. Agreed. Um, I'm not going to talk too much on this just because there's less to take from this one as there is the other one. Um, but you look at the situation, Inter, Inter played good at times, um, but didn't have the complete performance, didn't have the consistency. Um, and Lazio, whatever you want to say about them, they show up for these type of games for whatever reason, uh, but then they'll, they'll fail to beat a team in the relegation zone. Uh, so it's just this is one of these teams that show up. For the, and I'm not saying they're a bad team. But they're not a great team. They're not a team that anyone should really be concerned with as far as Champions League football. Um, so, but Lazio always seem to turn up for these ones. Uh, Mobley uh, converts, and then obviously Philippe Anderson scores the second, and um, Savage uh, clear, clears it off uh, at the end to, to put it away once and for all. Um, Inter, Inter weren't horrible, but they weren't good enough uh, in a game of this magnitude. And, you know, after everything that happened throughout with the other games, um, are they still in the title race? Absolutely. Should they still be one of the favorites? Absolutely. Um, but momentum has shifted a little. Even though it's only been like uh, nine games, I don't think we, we can make any rash um, statements based on that. But I thought Inter just didn't do enough against Lazio, and it's not because of any other reason that they, they lost. Um, I think the, the, the big bullet point from here is – uh, Carrera needs to be playing more minutes. I just don't understand why you pay $30 million for a guy who fits your system perfectly and have him come off the bench every single time. I, I just don't get it. But, um, yeah, you know, we'll have an opportunity to see if Inter will be rebound in the league. Obviously, they did in the Champions League, um, but uh, so on and so forth. Uh, Lazio get the victory, um, and then they'll probably throw away their great performance next week. Um, yeah. I think that will happen too. That's ex when they beat us. That's exactly what happened. They won. They beat us with a highly emotional victory, and then they got they got you know crushed by Bologna. So, um, so on and so forth. All right. Um, I'm not. We don't have to spend too much time on this one. Uh, uh, Napoli, Napoli against Torino. Um, any thoughts? Um, do you, do you see this victory as the you know luck destruct them, or do you think? Uh, do you see any, any change with, with Napoli? Do you still believe them as they are? Or do you think uh, their luck is going to run out eventually? I'm going to just call spade a spade and say their, their luck is going to run out eventually. But with some of these matches Napoli have been in recently, sometimes they've been winning on the skin of their teeth. And eventually, like that one year, with Inter, where they were going on an unbeaten run, but then next thing you knew, Winter showed up, and there went that chapter. And, I mean, obviously Inter had improved immensely since those seasons, but I feel like this is going to be another one of those scenarios where they'll do good, but then eventually reality is going to hit them at some point. Yeah, um, Torino's not a good team. They have a great coach, but they're not a good team. They, at times, had opportunity to score. Obviously, they get Napoli get the penalty. They miss the penalty. They get a goal where their half of their team was offsides. That didn't count. And then on the final goal, it was a shot deflected off, off of the, the Torino's defender's shoulder and just lands directly into uh, in the space of Osaman, and that's why he scored. Not for any reason. It was, it was on a plate for him, and it's not – because Napoli did anything great. 
it was on that. Um, Napoli are a good team. They're gonna they're gonna be uh, there will be a threat in a sense uh, this season. But um, I, I just I just want to remind everyone that um, um, Spalletti when he was with Roma, um, whatever you want to say his uh, his uh, um, his last season there. They had Allison, Mohamed Salah, Edin Dzeko, Diego Parati, Stefan Elsharawi, Antonio Rudiger, uh, Kostas Manolas, Florenzi, Chesney, and so many other like amazing players. And he didn't win the league. So, and that that team, uh, you know, obviously the Napoli teams are very good, but that team is probably better than the Napoli team. So, because of that, I, again, Spalletti is a good manager, but he's not the one who's going to close the deal for Napoli. Um, uh, we'll see what happens next week, this weekend against Roma, which is a huge game for, for both teams. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I just think their luck is eventually going to r- taper down and run out. All right. Um, all right. Your best friends, uh, uh, Milan, down 2-0 at halftime, turn it around and win 3-2, um, which I, I can imagine – Considering how your result went, this must have tore you up from the inside. What were your thoughts on AC Milan um, doing their thing uh, come from, from coming from behind? Well, first and foremost, I had two emotions inside my heart. First, my heart screamed, and then it cried. Because, obviously, it's just one of those scenarios where it's like you're looking at your team when they went when they went one like it drew one one and then you're seeing them just keep adding to their lead while your rival was two nil down at half pretty much halftime but they were able to come back and win at three two so it kind of really shows like who was hungry that weekend and it obviously I mean Milan has I'm gonna uh, has been performing at a really good quality this season. And even though they're ha- ha- most of their squad just like enters is a part of the geriatric ward, but I mean, but in general, no matter their age, some of these players are able to turn back that clock and just really perform at it in the, like, like they would in their prime. And some of these players are still looking like they're in their prime at certain points. So it's like one of those scenarios where you look at it and wish, why couldn't we have done that? And, I mean, overall, Milan are just on a whole nother level. And so, at this point, obviously, they're going to be looking to be the favorites, well, the second favorites going into the title contention conversation. And, I mean, I just hope Inter turn it around and really start get putting the foot on the gas pedal. But, I mean, just very well, fair play to Milan on really showing how coming back from a deficit is done. Yeah, uh, the thing about AC Milan is, is it's quite simply the fact that um, they're the favorites. Napoli, you can have your points. You can have the most points in the league. I don't care. You're, they're not the favorites. It's not. It's right now at the moment. It's Milan again. In I want to. I want to keep saying this because sometimes you uh, it tapers off a little bit. But Inter Milan will be in the title race. hundred percent. I'll bet my life on it. Um, 
Napoli, there's a question mark there, but Inter are definitely going to be a title race team. But considering how AC Milan are playing, you got the older players that's doing really well. And then young players that were underachieving last year starting to play really well for the team. They go down 2-0 to Verona, who looked really good on the day. And then they slowly turn it around. I think they scored their first goal in the 60th minute, which means, you know, they, they got it back really quickly um, and so on and so forth. And it looked, it looked amazing the way they, they played. And uh, I know they lost in the Champions League today. And they're, they got no points after three games. But that might go in their favor. Again, Milan wants to be in the Champions League. They want to be fighting for trophies and, and, and advancing on. But if they get bounced, um, they'll put all their eggs in this basket. And I think right now AC Milan are playing um, on a whole nother level right now. And it's just a, a very uh, complicated situation for, for them. But they're, they're dealing with it with the best they can. And, and they look like, it looks like the team to beat. Um, and um, if, if they end up, you know, closing the deal at the end of the season, I wouldn't be surprised. But I think it's still, it's still open season for, for many teams. There's no clear favorite right now, but I think Milan are playing the best right now. Remember, the only point they dropped was against Juventus, which is always a big game. So, um, yeah, they're doing well, and uh, we'll see if they can continue on the rest of the season. All right. Um, now let's talk about the game with all sorts of controversy. Um, again, I was, I was arguing with my friend on Twitter about this. Whether or not you're right or wrong, there were still loads of controversy. <laughs> All right, so obviously we can talk about itself. We get that. Um, but what are your thoughts on the, um, on the th- three controversial um, moments in the game and, and kind of how, um, how important, impactful moments like that uh, uh, could have uh, changed the outcome? Well... First and foremost, I heard about some of that controversy with... I, do you want me to explain to you? Yes. Okay. In the first half, um, ha- there, there was a handball in the lead-up of the Juventus goal. I don't... You know, whatever, whatever, right? Um, and, uh, and then at the end of the first half, uh, uh, who was it? Mkhitaryan gets into the box, um, whatever, is taken out. Then pe- And then it ends up at, at Abraham's foot, and he kicks into the back of the net. The goal doesn't count. Then they give a penalty. Jordan misses from the spot for the first time in his life in the Roma colors. Um, but there was there's arguments about whether or not they should have allowed the penalty uh, to, to allow the play to continue because you're not supposed to blow the whistle before the play is done. Um, secondly, on that play, there was controversy on whether or not Mkhitaryan handled the ball. But there's also another piece of controversy of whether it hit Locatelli's shoulder first, which would have sort of delayed the handball. Um, and so, and then the second half, uh, this is the one I actually believe. This is the only one that I'm kind of on the board with 24 hours after the match is um, Pellegrini was taken out in the box, no, no, didn't get any of the ball, and then collapsed. As far as the controversy, uh, whatever, if you have thoughts on it, fair enough. If not, just talk about how those type of moments can impact uh, the final result. Well, obviously, I really have no thoughts on the game, but I will speak on how certain issues like this can affect the result. If you're going and playing a match and there's some sort of controversy, like obviously there's sometimes where there's really, really bad officiating like we saw in this match. 
and um, it's just like these instances that can change a whole in- the play whole entire. Um, I guess okay. I, I don't have a good word this. It shifts the momentum of the rest of the match. Um, sometimes it looks like the team, like say if Roma, for example, were doing really well, and then a controversial call comes the like say in the thirty second minute or whatever, and there was a bad call made, and sometimes it kind of like warts the momentum because sometimes discouragement gets sets in or like just that negativity just like takes root in your mind and it just like throws off the rest of the match and how you the team performs and it's just one of those instances that if some of these calls had went the correct way and the way they were supposed to be this could have was would definitely be a different result because I know Roma are a really good team and they created multiple opportunities and could have capitalized on them. But it's just like sometimes it's those key moments of controversy that reshape the whole entire momentum of a match. Time, you know, I understand all sides of this. I don't understand the last one. The, the Pellegrini one, I'm not sure. And, again, if Jordan, you know, say makes the penalty, um, then we're, you know, then it's a totally different uh, situation. Um, Roma were the better team um, in this in this game. They've been the better team three the last three times. Unfortunately, that's only given them one point of those three games. So they got to close the door when they have the opportunity. Um, you, you can have controversy through all this. Um and on side, you know, you got to let the play continue. At least let it go and then figure out whether it's a handball or not. Um, and then on the other hand of things, you know, that changes the game. And I, I think Roma didn't get what they deserved from this match. They deserved a point. Juventus fans would acknowledge they deserved a point. And I think it's more frustration from anything. And, you know, I'm not one to blame the referees. I did it on the night, but I, I kind of backtracked after it because I don't think you can totally put anything down to – to that particular thing and Roma, you know, you know, did get beat. Um, but Mourinho does kind of get the last laughs. Everyone, there was, uh, you know, obviously people were um, in the crowd were, were, were abusing Mourinho and he just put up the number three to the, to the fans, uh, which, which reminds them that he won the treble with injure. Um, so even in defeat, Mourinho always has the psychological advantage just because he's just that type of character. Um, big match for Roma coming up. Um, this against um, against Napoli. This is going to be huge. And obviously, uh, Juventus are rolling with another victory. Um, and they're just they're just they're climbing up the table slowly but surely. And I think it, within a week or two they'll be they'll be right up there with with uh, all the big boys uh, if, if they continue to play this way. And again, I'm not giving Allegri credit just because he didn't watch the sport for two years. So by, by March, I'll believe that he's picked it up again, but until then I'm not giving any credit to him. I think um, it was, it was the twin towers, Leonardo Bonucci and, um, and Giorgio Cellini. That were the big difference. Uh, Roma couldn't get into the box and Tammy Abraham and Lorenzo Pellegrini couldn't do the things they normally do. So um, yeah, uh, gr- great game though. A lot of drama, 
but um, didn't go our way on uh, on this occasion. Um, all right, so that's that's all of the the games, right? Um, Thanks. So. Obviously, we scrapped the Sassuolo general okay. game, but we also have Atalanta. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, real quick, no, let's just do this quick. Quick, uh, Atalanta looked um, amazing. Um, they looked they looked like they're rolling, and uh, I think they're they're really starting to come into their own. The, the match against United that will probably be over by the time this comes out um, is going to be a big one, and I think because of the way Atalanta play football, they should have a great chance in that game, a great chance to win that. Um, but Elisic and Zabata were all uh, really, really fantastic, and uh, Alante to keep rolling. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't expect anything less from them, especially even if this team has a hiccup here and there, but they just get right back on track and show what they're made of. All right, um, who are your uh, uh, who are your power rankings this week? Who's Who comes in at number five? Coming – and at number five is Atalanta. Obviously, this is a team that constantly remains consistent throughout um, the league and their respective matches week in and week out. Um, so they're getting the number five spot. In the number four slot, We I am putting Juventus. Um, I mean, I would have put them higher this week, but it's one of those situations where, I mean, there was a lot of controversial calls and it was kind of hard to, like, really... I mean, if this Roma team didn't have all that controversy, to me, they would have had... This would have been a totally different outcome, so I'm putting you there because just because of some of the controversial calls that occurred. In the number three slot, I am putting Lazio... Um, they came into this the match against Inter at, with a clear game plan, and they executed it to perfection. And so, and obviously, this is a team that will fl- ju- go up and down like a yo-yo mama um, throughout the season, especially against relegation sides. But when it comes against matches against the bigger teams. Um, you could expect them to really take it to the fight to the opposition, and they continue to show it there. Um, in the second place slot, I'm going with Fiorentina. Fiorentina obviously are continuing to show that they're not to be messed with this season, and they're doing very good at putting the voices of their president out of their heads and really just focusing on what's important. And that's moving into a European competition, uh, competition, which at this point in time looks like it's going to happen. And in the number one slot, I am putting Milan. Obviously they went two nil down and, um, they were able to focus and really get back on track and just made key adjustments and were able to win their match 3-2. And coming from Milan, this is a team that no matter what happens, they will dig deep within themselves and just really get back on track because that's what Milan does. 
All right. Um, very good. I'm going to do my um, top 15 list really quickly here. Um, at number 15, Juventus, three, uh, four, sorry, four wins in a row, playing much better. Again, they haven't played well yet, but they're playing better than they have in the, in the previous couple matches. Um, they are getting the wins, but they need to be playing better and winning. Um, and that's the only reason I have them to slow. So Juventus in 15th. Uh, in 14th, Brentford, still doing well in the Premier League. Um, still, you know, coming through and, and, and surprising all of us. Um, I think they're, they're really good there. Um, I'm going to go Alonso in third. Uh, sorry. Yeah, Alonso in 13th. I think they're, they're playing really well. Also, hot fire, but they're playing. Uh, they're really well. They're winning games, and uh, Man United will be a big test for them and, and so on and so forth. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, in number 12, I have uh, Leverkusen. I understand that they got ripped apart with five goals in 37 minutes against Bayern, but it was against Bayern. And um, they did manage to score in the game. Um, you know, they didn't play well, but they're playing well overall. So I'm going to keep them. I'm going to keep them on my list uh, with, at number 12. Number 11, uh, Freiburg. Again, unbeaten their last five. They continue to do well. They're going to be, uh, they're challenging for um, a, a Europa League spot at this point, and, or maybe even Champions League. They're doing, they're just playing great football. Uh, number nine, um, Atletico Madrid. I, they, they, it was, they lost a, a thriller today, but Griezmann was unbelievable. And uh, they did lose in the Liga before that. Um, but I think this performance will give them motivation to continue to push on. Um, AC Milan, I mean, it goes without saying. They're probably playing like the best out of any team in Italy. No question about that for me. Um, number, uh, number eight, uh, Napoli. And the only reason Napoli is in this, um, in this spot um, – is because um, they're picking up the points, and I can't I can't degrade them out of the top ten. Um, in number seven, I'm going to go Ajax. Um, they just put four past Dortmund. That's a really big deal to me. Um, even though I have Dortmund higher on this list, that's a really big deal. They they crushed them, and I, I didn't see that coming, and and so on. Uh, then I'm going to go Brighton uh, again. They're in the top four in England. I didn't notice this till till recently. They're, they're, they're absolutely playing the, the best football that I've seen them play maybe ever. Um, really great job. Chelsea uh, in front of them. Um, I, they're on top of the league, but Lukaku's scoreless in their last uh, six, four or five games. He needs, to get, he needs to get the ball rolling again and, and do something special. We know he's capable of it. We've seen it in, in, in a more, you know, in Inter. We've seen it at Everton. We, we saw it at points with Man United. He's going to get it going, but until he gets it going, I think, as a team, they're, they're just not on that. Uh, length. Um, then I'm gonna go Manchester City. Continue playing well. They're getting up points. They're putting pressure on the top of the table. They're they're a great team and they did well in the Champions League this week too. Then I'm gonna go Dortmund in number three. Um, they're playing really well. Outside of this today's performance, they've been flawless um, and really kind of putting everything on their own. Um, number two, Liverpool. And I know uh, I have no reason to drop them to number two. Because they're playing so well, Mohamed Salah looks like one of the best players in the world, and they continue to roll. Um, but they Watford just made it easy on them, and they played really well against Atletico Madrid, and I give them credit there. Um, but but Bayern Munich, not number one, scoring five goals in 37 minutes against a team that was a, at the same level of points with them. It's a phenomenal player uh, that they have there. Robert is on fire. 
and 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 they're they're going to continue to progress and come into those moments with 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 a high level of prestige. Um, and I think Benfica is going to be tough for them tomorrow, but I, I reckon Bayern's going to continue to do their thing because they are, uh, like I've been saying for the last six months, they are the best team in the world. All right. So who is your player of the week? My player of the week is um, Duvan Zapata. I mean, he, it's, the, this response speaks for itself. He is doing a great job with Atalanta, and he is one of their best goal scorers. He continues to put in the hard work during training sessions, so that way it reflects during game time. And obviously, it, it reflects that too, because when you put that hard work in, you're going to perform at a good level during the matches. And, of course, we're seeing this week in and week out from him. So, yeah, he, this is why he's my player of the week. All right. Um, let's see. Who am I going to go with? I will go with um, – I mean, I, all right. I'm going to go with Mohamed Salah. Look, I understand that Liverpool fans are getting all excited and they think he's the best player in the world. I'm just going to let you know he's not. It's still Robert Lewandowski, and it's going to continue to be. No one is playing better than him and has been playing better than him the last two years. But Mohamed Salah is just playing an outrageous – uh, league great um and you know they just need to give him a give him what he wants give him the 400k a week give him a 13 million bonus if he wants it uh liverpool need to sign him as soon as possible he's just he's just been so good for them and he's been so influential in so many different games uh, so i'm gonna go Mohamed salah even though i still think robert Lewandowski is the world's best and then um, you want to go into our debate topic uh, yeah. Um, so go ahead. Can okay. Well, tonight we're going to debate who we think uh, the best player in the world. Uh, sorry, the best defender in the world is. Um, let's let's keep it relative in, to this season. We can say who the who we think of the best is, but I want it all to be. I I want also want it to be um, most. I, I want it all. To, eh, I want it to be connected to this season as well. Because I think it's just better that way. Um, all right, I'm going to let you go first. I don't think you're going to pick who I'm going to pick anyway. So, uh, who to you, who's the best defender in the world? Well, obviously, and if I'm remembering this correctly, uh, Joshua Kimmich is a defender. Uh, technically, he's a defensive midfielder. Um, but... He's played – to be honest, he's not He's not been played in the back uh, much this season. Do you have another option? Um, well, let's see. I have a couple ideas in my head. Um, I'm going to go with um, Bastoni. Obviously, I'm going to go with Inter again. <laughs> but obviously, yes, Bastoni may have his hiccups here and there. But overall, he has been a crucial piece to the inter-defense, um, especially since, in my opinion, and it, um, Milan Skriniar has kind of regressed a little bit. So it's kind of forced Bastoni to kind of like step up in the defensive role. And he's kind of doing that with poise and finesse at times. But I mean, in je- obviously, he's still young and it's still has a lot of room to grow 
So, but I mean, in general, when he perform gets on a good run of form, he is just one of the top notch defenders out there, especially in Serie A this season. In his age group, yes, but I mean, if this was sort of that, uh, I love Bastoni. I think he's got a huge future. But I can think of ten defenders off the top of my head that's better than that. Sorry. Um, let's see. You give me a lot of options here. I can go Delit. I can go Van Dyke. I can go um, Benucci. I can go Cialini. Um, I can. Oh, there's a lot of options. Oh, okay, Koulibaly is an option. Um, let's see here. I'm gonna go with on current form, and uh, it's it's a weird one because I they kind of are a pair, but I'm only gonna go with one. Because of age, I'll give um, I'll give Leonardo Bonucci uh, the number one. Um, the fact of the matter, he is thirties, late mid mid thirties, I think. At this point, um, he's not the quickest guy, uh, but his his uh, the way he reads the game is is so exceptional. Um, he takes he can take your best player and 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 just take him you know away from from the attack. There was one moment where um, Abraham dribbled past him but outside of that he controlled the entire thing and the big reason why you know you look at the situation where in which sort of you come into the box and you try to you try to be effective with Pellegrini and Abraham and he just didn't allow that to happen um he's been uh, in incredible form practically ever since the Euros I think he's I think he can be a little bit of a twat sometimes and I think he can be – occasionally you can you, – there are ways you can handle him, but it's very difficult to do so. And not to mention, on the other side of the ball, on set pieces and things like that, he can find the back of the net. And for that reason, I'll give him a slight edge over uh, Cialini. But I think, in general, those two are just phenomenal. But, you know, no wrong answers here. But uh, I think Vanucci is, is the man right now. Again, next week it could be, it could be somebody else. But on current form, it's, it's Benucci. That pretty much covers it, right? Yep, we're good. All right. So with that being said, this has been another edition of the Couch Shows Unplugged. We'll see you all on the next one.